Here we go. Happy Friday, everybody. It is October 30th, almost Halloween, as if everyone's going to get to really celebrate Halloween. And we're back for another episode of the NudgeCast and Nudge Coach Happy Hour. Mac, how's it going? Good. We should have worn costumes. Why didn't we think about this? I literally just popped into my head right when I was literally just opening yeah. the episode. You know, so. However, if anyone's listening to this as a podcast, you have no way of knowing maybe we are wearing costumes. <laughs> So we'll just kind of leave it hanging out there a little bit. Uh, well, um, yeah, use your imagination. That's the beauty of audio only. For you guys watching on YouTube, uh, sorry to disappoint. We're embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, that's that. if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sorry. We should have had outfits on. So, Yeah, probably most of the people who do watch this on YouTube will literally be watching on Halloween too. Oh, well. That's a good point, yeah. Well, maybe we'll wear outfits next week, which have nothing to do with Halloween at that point. Then we're just wearing outfits. That's almost better in my opinion. It's it's more original. Um, and you know what? With the way life has changed, why the hell don't we dress up every now and then? I feel like let's let our hair down a little bit. Down. Let the hair down. Yeah, yep. I'm with let's you. Let's do it. Okay. Next time. Next time. Yep. Well, it's been an interesting week. Always, always an interesting week. But this is an especially interesting week for certain reasons, wouldn't you say? Yep. Absolutely. So we should app. You know, we just touched on this during the Instagram and. Uh, well, I just got a notification as we're as about the Instagram as we were talking about it, which about is interesting. That. But so we just wrapped up the five minute summary on Instagram. If you haven't caught one of those, Phil and I always do that five minute summary live on kind of what we're going to talk about today. And I think we touched on something that's really important. There's kind of two two elements of it. So this week we're wrapping up week one of our inaugural um, mastermind and. Yeah. The I think a lot of great learnings from it, incredible sessions, things like I, I was even scribbling down notes left and right, and I wasn't even an enrollee technically. Um, so I thought just saw some great things, but I think there's a second component of this, not just some of the lessons from the mastermind, but also too, I think a lot of people struggle with launching things like this, launching cohort-based programming. And you know, you put all this together and I think you did an incredible job. And I think there's lessons there from how you launch a cohort-based model, leveraging things like webinars and email sequencing. Because, you know, we initially were going to cap this at 25 and we ended up selling out in 24 hours, reopening, and then finally closing it again at 40 because we said this is getting ridiculous and out of hand. So for the first cohort. So Yep. I think we probably could have gone beyond that if we wanted to. And it was something that I, and I, you know, I can't take any credit for it. So I don't mind talking about it. And it's something that I think a lot of people would get a lot of value out of hearing some of the maybe strategies you followed there. So two different sides of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's been some of the fun part. I think, you know, we're talking with coaches about launching online programs, right. And many times, mm-hmm. many times they're interested in learning about, transitioning maybe a what's been kind of a traditional in-person program to primarily online remote coaching um or just people trying to grow and and perform better in their online programs um create more engaging programs but one of the cool things that sort of uh aligns when you're doing something like a, a mastermind program for us as we're coaching coaches on coaching programs um it's it's wheels within wheels and everyone's getting value from everyone and it's great. So we're learning as we're doing it. We're kind of creating lessons for people while we're doing it and ourselves. Um, so uh, 
yeah, I don't think you can always kind of get all the incentives to align that perfectly in life, but when you can take full advantage of it, because it's been really, really great so far, I have to say. Um, but yeah, we, I would say I've definitely learned some stuff for one, let me, just to address one of the things you said there, um, we did sell out what we were planning to offer in 24 hours and guys, I put together a damn good email sequence to go out over, <laughs> over that full week to make sure that we got enough spots filled. And I only got to send one of those emails. <laughs> That's I, I have to admit, and like I said, I don't mind talking about this because I can take zero credit for it. So I'm kind of bragging for you on it. But I would just say in, in, in not every program we've ever launched has really gone as successful. I think most people listening to this have probably struck out before in in a launch and i just think there's lessons here and it would be interesting to kind of unpack and and dissect a little bit some of the strategies you followed and who knows maybe it was we framed things i mean granted i think the way the program came together was high value we obviously discounted it for the first cohort so there's some things we did i think that helped Mm -hmm. in terms of how it was positioned and framed um in terms of the call to action. I mean, I, I think it'd be really interesting to kind of dive into this a little bit and kind of better understand. So I guess as a starting point, maybe kind of turn the tables. I'm kind of interviewing, you now. Oh, no. is I, so walk through a little bit, give someone a synopsis kind of high level. What exactly was the mastermind about? What was the, the kind of subject and we'll kind of start there and we'll kind of get a little bit deeper. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it is our program builder mastermind. And this is a convergence of a couple of things for us. Uh, just so everyone knows out there, we have a very significant platform update, Dutch coach platform update coming in January. Um, and behind the curtain a little bit, you know, when a lot of things are changing and you have uh thousands of coaches using your software um, that can make your team a little bit nervous about everyone's ability to transition, making sure we have a plan in place and that we're communicating as well as we possibly can to be transparent about the changes that are coming with our, our customers. So there are multiple layers to why we really decided this was an appropriate thing to do. So I want to start there, but um, the goal here was, was really um on a, on a couple of levels, you know, we, we work with primarily um, like our biggest segment is just small growing coaching businesses. Um, and they tend to have a handful of certain questions about um, how to set up online coaching programs. And so we wanted to address some of those along with setting up best, uh, putting out their best practices for building a really highly engaging, effective uh, online coaching program using our new platform as we transition to it in January. So that's kind of the two sides of it. Um, and, you know, we're, we're the, the layout of something like a, a mastermind program lets us go pretty in depth that we wouldn't be able to do with things like traditional webinars. Um, there just wouldn't be enough time to feasibly do that. Um, to go in depth on details of the update, for example, um, where, you know, in a, even an hour webinar would be really hard pressed to provide a ton of value, to be honest. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about how it's been going. So for anyone not familiar with kind of a mastermind concept, I guess, how would you describe them? I mean, it's my, so for my impression, I think I've always envisioned a mastermind being kind of a, a kind of an intimate setting, a, a very condensed, but very, um, targeted in-depth program in which you get to work closely with the thought leader of whoever it is of kind of going through the curriculum. 
when we put this together, and I think you touched some interesting, you know, it was really to focus on a couple different components. I think we were looking at helping our partners kind of make the transition, but as we were kind of getting into it, what do you feel like are the most valuable components of an effective mastermind? I mean, were there maybe pieces of this that helped really make it resonate with folks? And that's why we were able to get the signups. I think it's just helpful for anyone trying to put together a cohort model like this, maybe some of the best practices or things to be considering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, from the very first thing you need to ask yourself is, does my, do I have an audience that really needs this, wants this, and Mm -hmm. does it align with kind of what they're looking for? Um, Because I'm just saying that up front, because basically with anything in business, if you don't start with that, then you're not going to, it's not going to work. So that's, that's kind of the upfront question, but um, yeah, for, for us, and I think the, the lessons that are relevant for everyone is making sure to get as much of this plan in advance as possible. Um, There are a couple of things that I think we were able to leverage having a lot of conversations with customers, knowing that there were some burning needs here in terms of how to really take a step back and plan out a program and learn how to coach remotely really effectively uh, using tools like we have. We know those are burning needs and we can't typically like in our day-to-day operations, just working with um, customers that are maybe just, you know, on our free plan, just getting started uh, with online coaching, obviously Mm -hmm. not able to spend that much time with those folks um, to, to dive this deep. So this really opened up a new opportunity for them to sort of experience what we do with our, uh, higher level and even enterprise customers in terms of detailed training and stuff like that, getting some of that stuff in kind of at the, the entry level a bit. So that's, that's been really good. And we've been able to frame that in the right way. Um, but I think some, some pillars of what was appropriate. So one, this is the first time we've ever run anything like this. And because of that, I've just always thought that a cohort is a really great way to do something for the first time. Um, and the reason for that, and, and I was sort of looking at this as a, as a, a bit of a test case for us to see mm-hmm. how it went and what value it provided for our customers, but also for us. Um, I, I say all that a cohort is uniquely set up for that, partly because you have the community aspect, which definitely takes some work. And I'll get to that in a second where people are kind of in a situation. If you set things up the right way, where there's, you know, whether it's in Slack or a Facebook group or, um, circle app or nudge in the Mm -hmm. future after this January update, nudge of the future. Uh Um, where you're in this kind of private communication channel where this, this small group of people going through this kind of experience together are in a comfortable place where the point is to ask questions and have conversations about, you know, what we're learning, what, what best practices are in certain areas. So that helps, Mm -hmm. um, I think take a little weight off the program content a little, a little bit, you know, you don't have to have have everything perfect and you won't the first time uh, you go through something like this. So that's why one of the reasons that I like a cohort, the second is a cohort to be successful. doesn't have to be a thousand people. Um, you know, we, we initially set out to get 25 um, to go through this again. This is a test case for us. We reduced the price mm-hmm. on it on purpose because, you know, first time. I think we weren't, we had high hopes of the value, but yeah. at the end of the day, until you do it, you don't you really just don't know. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, mm. you know, we, we did all that. Um, 
because we wanted to keep it as a test case. You know, you don't want to do your test cases with a hundred people and, and fail that big um, sometimes, at least mm-hmm. when you can control it. So it seemed to make sense. So now because we were uh, the one hypothesis hypothesis we had that was right was that there was a lot of demand for this type of programming. Yep. Did in fact overbook it really fast. Um, and, you know, I think from a, taking a step back on thinking about any, any type of coaching program model. One of the, one of the important things you can consider is depending on the type of model, you might have, uh, you, you might have a different kind of promotional strategy that will make sense for it. Um, for example, a a webinar or workshop or that type of event type marketing aligns really well with a cohort because you have a bunch of people in one place at one time. And when you launch a cohort, obviously that's a bunch of people starting in one place at one time and going through an experience together. So the strategies align very well. Yeah. One, one thing that kind of stuck out to me as we, as we promoted it on that webinar, um, that was maybe a little bit different than we had done before. And it, I think it helped create a bit of herd mentality was that rather than just making an ask at the very end, I felt like it was something we kind of teased maybe two thirds of the way through and then continued to talk about it for about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting because while we were on the webinar, I think we actually sold about 10 or 15 slots. And, yeah. and I think we, able, we were able to use that by the end of the webinar saying, hey, look, the spots are going quickly. You know, we're almost, almost halfway sold out. So I think there was a bit of a frenzy from that. And it, that was different than what we had done. And I think in most webinars, you typically see kind of last slide call to action, mm-hmm. which I think can certainly work for some things. But I think for this, and I completely agree with you, I think a, an event like this, a webinar is a great setting in which or some kind of event, a great setting to promote some type of cohort-based model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, that was really intentional. And I was, I was definitely happy to see it work out that well, that kind of seeding the promotion of what we were actually going to get to up front. And we actually did. So I had on our second or third slide, I, I skipped to saying, Hey, here's what I'm going to be talking about at the end. This is a unique opportunity that we're going to open up. Um, then you may see it in a few minutes. If you've logged into nudge coach, uh, we're opening, opening up the ability to sign up for this mastermind program. We're going to talk through exactly what's coming and walk you through how to take the most advantage of it and get ahead of everybody else in terms of your planning for it. Um, that just concise messaging up front, I think grabbed a bunch of people's attention who knew it was for them. And then we were able to transition into, you know, just, you know, the normal flow of the webinar, which was, you know, we were, we were not doing the webinar solely to pitch that we were there to provide value, um, talk to people about the new things that were coming and how to take advantage of them from a high level. But again, you can't do that much with that in, in, you know, really 40 minutes of presenting and some Q and a, um, so touching on it up front, we had a mention of basically, that signing up was opening in the middle. Um, and then yeah, circle back on it at the end. And these were not like big lavish stop everything and make a pitch moments. These were just like seeding it a little bit. Um, and it really, really worked. I think we, it was something like 15 in the first hour that the, uh, yeah. cart was open. I think there were at least 10 while we were all connected on the webinar from what I recall. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, I ne- I hadn't seen anything like it, but we hadn't really tried something like it. And it, it's something that I am starting to see now 
makes a lot of sense is kind of teasing throughout the throughout the wave just to kind of put a bug in someone's ear to kind of get them prepared for it so i thought, thought it worked well i think it's something we'll i'd imagine we'll probably reuse that strategy down the road because it seemed to work pretty well so for i guess anyone who's maybe considering a cohort from my perspective it seems like cohort-based programming is starting to really gain a lot of traction and i know before we launched this mastermind you had done a lot of research on it. I think you had even talked to some people who had run cohorts before. Yeah. I guess walk through a little bit of kind of some of your findings and why people should be considering cohorts. Yeah, again, I've just the more I've dug into, especially just group coaching concepts in general. So I was doing mm-hmm. a lot of research on group coaching because I'm obsessed with it in the first place. And we've that is your thing. That. We've, we've, um, we've identified that. But I was writing a writing a, a long form blog post on it, which is on our blog, by the way, nudgecoach.com slash blog. It's one of the first ones on there. Um, but was, was doing a little research for that post and got, I mean, it was one of those where you're doing a little research, you think you're going to be able to knock it out fast and just ended up in one of the like deepest of deep dives where you spiral down a YouTube <laughs> mm-hmm. tunnel and, you know, stumble upon a bunch of things on Twitter. And next thing you know, you, you have like a thousand resources collected on it. Um, but what I kept coming across was a handful of things. Um, one, if it was just people saying over and over again how much sense it made if you're trying trying to sort of launch a new program how much a cohort model takes some of the pressure off um, and removes some of the assumptions because everyone's going through it at the same time and you can be a little bit more dynamic in terms of if things start to not be working the way you're doing them you can kind of stop everything and start doing it a different way on the fly Um, whereas if I'm trying to deliver some kind of automated program where I have a rolling sign up, um, right out of the gates, I'm kind of relying on all the assumptions I built into the model to go perfectly. That's true. First time. And that is scary as all hell to me. So, um, that's, that's one of the biggest reasons that, you know, it made sense for us in this case, our first go at the, at the program builder mastermind, um, but there, there are definitely other reasons too. So I talked about community a little bit. Um, this was partly a decision I made because, you know, I was seeing commentary from a lot of people who've done this effectively about just how much of a difference it made in terms of their overall participation and engagement over time and, and, and stuff like that. But also because, um, this is something we're sort of building into the future of the nudge coach platform. Um, so wanted to see and experience how to do this effectively so that I could talk to it, speak to it so that we could speak to it in the future. Um, and I think we've learned some interesting things in terms of trying to identify quickly who are going to be kind of the, the chatty Cathy's in the, in the group, um, in the community and leverage that and, respond to everything, throw out questions, um, to get people to come out of their caves and, and respond. And, and we've seen all that stuff yeah. and we're running it through Slack right now, which again was another thing we were super nervous about because it's a, just another platform that we have to get people on. Um, mm-hmm. but everybody's there and I can say with confidence that the vast majority are responding to single poll questions that are being thrown out, thrown out. Um, responding to what's been valuable to them, asking questions. It's been 
been really great on that. Yeah. Front. And this gets to one thing I, I thought was really interesting as we were um, thinking about the growth tools session this week, you know, one of the lessons Stacy kind of touched on during that was the idea of leverage or was it growth tools? Maybe this was Sarah from Abundelicious or Blueberry Connect, but it was talking about the whole idea of within a group program, finding kind of, she, I think they referred to them as plants, which was really just um, leveraging kind of a friendly that you have within the group to help you push the conversation along. So for instance, if for you were doing maybe a weekly post within a group, having someone lined up ready to kind of comment on it, to, to get the conversation going, which I thought was a great strategy. Um, I guess the downside to this is maybe not in every cohort you run, you're going to have somebody like that. Mm-hmm. But when you do have a friendly, if you can kind of identify that person early, if you're looking for one, it seems like it is a great tool or a great asset to have as you're kind of um, looking for any kind of, I, I think any kind of help like leg up and in, in having a successful program. Yeah. I really loved that. I think that was Sarah. Um, and, and I just, it was a, a great note. We didn't do it, but I'm, I'm also cheating in that, you know, I have team members who are able to be in there as well. So I'm not, it's not a hundred percent on me to drive everything, uh, by any means. So, um, if anything ever gets stale, I can shoot you a note and say, Hey, Mac, post something, <laughs> post something in here. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's been, it's amazing to me how it's felt very organic where, you know, we, or in most cases, it's you posting the content from sessions. And it's been really natural people kind of just saying, Hey, you know, I, I, this is what I found from the session. This is what I got out of it, that it has been, I didn't feel like there's really been any forcing of touch points or conversation. It's, it's felt very, you know, and it's not, I think another really important piece is it hasn't felt like there's been over communication from a standpoint of being a distraction to everybody because everyone's working, everyone's doing things both from us internally, as well as, you know, everybody in the mastermind. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. If you're running a cohort based model is remember that everyone's busy. They're not just sitting around waiting for you to post messages and you, you know, get stuff. Some of what we talked about previously is, you know, some of the pitfalls we see in online or remote coaching is, you know, making sure we don't pepper clients with messages, you know, it's, um, so that's one thing I think that has worked really well is it's felt like a really natural cadence and it's felt like the right kind of the right amount of messaging without ever feeling like it was too much and, you know, phone blowing up or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, even though it's a really condensed program, I'm still approaching it a lot. Like I think, you know, maybe a coach working with someone over a little bit longer span would where, you know, I'm just, I have benchmarks or kind of flag posts where I don't want it to go any, any far, farther past X for me, it's 24 hours in the, in this condensed time period that we're working. But, you know, maybe if you're coaching someone through a longer program, it's, Hey, I at least want to have a, a touch point every week. Um, but I have those flag posts in place. I don't want to, you know, be firing off questions every couple of hours in the middle of a work day. Like you said, um, I just, I, I don't think most of our folks would appreciate that. I know we have different size businesses involved in this too. So if, uh, I think, I think some of our larger partners who are involved would probably be pretty annoyed with that. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but no, yeah, it's been good. You touched on something important too, because I feel like we've heard a lot of different things recently about, or a lot of input, I should say regarding duration of programs. And I think this is something that a lot of people have questions about 
And I would actually say, I think in most cases, people maybe even overshoot it. So our, our mastermind, well, I'll just to, um, I'll, I'll take the blame on this. Our, the first thought on the mastermind was that that was going to be like a multi-month thing. That was me. And that was my fault. <laughs> we thought it was a great idea. We thought it was going to be like one, I think it was probably like one lecture a week for three months. And we had it all kind of mapped out. And it was so funny because we were, I remember we were on that, um, podcast episode with with Medina from Jay Shetty coaching and she was like can I give you some feedback and we were like yeah 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 give us some feedback and she was like way too long so it was <laughs> interesting because we've been hearing more about this as people do these group programs we went with a two-week really kind of a Monday through the following Friday so about kind of 10 to 12 days how did how did we land on that curious to kind of hear I know Medina gave us some feedback to shorten it, but how did we get to 10-ish days? Yeah, well, it was definitely direct input from her. So we were balancing, to be perfectly transparent, a bunch of stuff here. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I'm not going to say this is the be-all, end-all, this is what you should do. But a couple of things to keep in mind with our unique case. One, we're working with businesses here. Mm -hmm. We're not working with consumers. There's just sort of a different... uh, it's a slightly different time constraint that you can kind of, or there are different factors involved, I guess, when, when you're talking about businesses and, and, and what they would perceive as business training, they, mm-hmm. I think you would expect this to be pretty concise, pretty quick, respect their time all of that's going to be very, very important in, in this scenario. Um, second factor we, and this I think is sort of one of the principles that I would, I would suggest that we've learned out of this um, too, that is a, a really good idea to plan ahead. But um, we are also working alongside the schedules of several partners in planning this. So it was really important to nail down when everyone was available so that it would all fit in place. Um, and this becomes a really big planning challenge when you're thinking about, okay, I, but I want my content to be in a certain order. Right. Um, you have to get creative a little bit when it comes to that. And I'll be honest, the, um, order changed a little bit, even late in the process. And I even tweaked slightly a couple of presentations just to make sure that it all made Mm -hmm. sense together, um, to make that, make that work. What do you, you, I know we're only about halfway through it, but at this point, have you kind of identified anything you think we would do differently in running this or just I'm thinking about anyone who's, you know, trying to put one of these together right now, you know, we're kind of going through it. There may be some pretty quick learnings we've, we've seen. I think you just mentioned one, but any other ones you would maybe do differently? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, I mean, the, the challenging, the challenge of scheduling the live sessions with partners, all of them being live um, was definitely tough. So potentially would try to record at least one of those in advance with the partners just to, just Mm -hmm. to make sure it's a little bit easier scheduling wise um, and be able to rely on kind of a mix of recorded content uh, even audio content, mm-hmm. audio only content, um, mix it up a little bit in terms of the content. Um, and one thing we did really well uh, planning wise was to get different voices and different types of voices within this thing. And I would say that's a hard principle that I would suggest. That was the next question I was going to ask you is, do you feel like it's critical to break it up and have outside speakers yeah. come in? Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, it might be uh, some, just hesitation on my part and my, my own ability to deliver valuable content for two straight weeks, every single day. 
You were definitely um, the weak link in the chain. So I, I just can't imagine that, that wouldn't go, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Variety in all sorts of ways is valuable and engaging. I think one of the hallmarks of uh, engaging programs we, we see in, in the Nudge app already is just that the experience is pretty dynamic in terms of the way coaches are delivering it. And so it kind of, a, we applied that lesson to uh, this cohort and got a bunch of different voices in talking about different perspectives and focusing on different areas to, to make sure we're delivering. Yes. The, the, this all has a very distinct focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so we couldn't have sold out so quickly if people didn't know what we were selling. Uh, so it is, it is very focused. I mean, it was all about, providing these people with the unique opportunity to expand their program online and how they plan out in advance, how they will do that with the next version of the nudge platform. Mm-hmm. So that, that pitch was very clear, but there's also several areas that can touch on that, that and contribute to kind of that outcome that allowed us to make it really dynamic and, and include some variety in there. Um, if you can't get enough clients, there's no point to any of it. So we were able to include stuff like that. And we got two great partners to do that because that's kind of outside of what we're saying our yep. focus is through this, right? And so one thing that I would suggest is stay in your lane when you're, when you're creating something like this. Make sure your brand is still, whether the, your brand is you or a brand, mm-hmm. make sure it's still speaking to like what's most important and what people are coming to you for most. Don't dilute that mm-hmm. by trying to do everything. And let bring in the the new voices to speak to other areas that are critical to making all of this happen for your customers. So um, that's why we ended up with Jay Shetty Coaching involved with uh, growth tools involved to talk about the power of getting in front of other people's audiences to grow your business. Also important, obviously, that those are very aligned to things that the people who are going through it can take advantage of. Yep. The reason that growth tools one is so perfect is because mm-hmm. it's literally a free growth strategy. Um, just takes obviously planning and effort, not you need to have thousands of dollars to throw at Facebook ads or something like that. Yep. Um, so all critical for sure. Yeah, no, it, I, I think you touched on some important pieces there. I do think, and I, I don't know if people would Im- immediately have jumped to this and I, I don't think I did either. But as we started going down this path, it seemed more and more obvious to me that whole idea of bringing in outsiders, because I, I do think it helps break things up. But I also think it helps further maybe position yourselves as a, as a thought leader as you're thinking yeah. about, hey, maybe I should be listening to some of what this person's saying, because, you know, just kind of rubbing shoulders with some other kind of thought leaders or well-known people in the space. So I think there, there may be some lessons there and some, uh, some value into bringing some out, outsiders in. So that's great. Yeah. Um, so like I said, we're halfway through it next week. What do we have on the docket for next week as we're kind of looking ahead? So I know we've oh, got a question. Yeah. So, well, let me just, I'll, I'll start with like a little bit of a recap of, of what we did this week. Um, so we did Monday is a crazy day for everyone in the world, right? Again, these are business people going through this program. So we want to be mindful and respectful of people's time. Um, we basically laid all the groundwork on Monday, made sure everybody was in the Slack channel successfully uh, I sent out a video uh, welcoming everybody and going through what they can expect from us throughout everything, um, what we expect of them. Uh, again, we're all in this together. Um, so was able to frame that really well. We win when they win, they win when we win, et cetera. Um, and lay down really some core principles that I wanted to be threads for them to keep in mind throughout the whole mastermind. So 
Monday was all about setting the tone, but it was a recorded video that got dropped in. It was not, hey, you got to show up at 11 a.m. on a Monday because everybody I know has a meeting at 11 a.m. on a Monday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And I have to say real quick too, one thing that kind of jumped out as well, because so much of what we encounter during implementations is a lot of conversations regarding kind of workflow, really around kind of onboarding and effective onboarding on the systems. One thing I thought was so interesting, and I, I really want to unpack this maybe separately or write a blog post about it, is you took an ace you or you, you really took kind of an asynchronous approach to onboarding. And yeah. you you kind of went down the path that I usually am very kind of cautious with our partners to take and warn them of hey, there's it's riddled with pitfalls, mm-hmm. riddled with them. And I was blown away at how you kind of navigated around them. Because for instance, if people have questions about the program, if people have questions about the technologies you're using, people have trouble and you're, you're doing a more asynchronous approach to it and you're not there with them on a call or on a webinar to help walk them through it. You're, you're potentially, and I say potentially setting yourself up for a frustrated customer on day one. Absolutely. And, And what I loved about what you did is one of the first things you did is you sent out, and granted, I probably wasn't on every one of these touch points, but you sent out a video walking through the deck. And I thought it was great because you had the combination of kind of you on screen to humanize the experience. You had the deck up there, very visual, but also to someone could just listen to it if they were busy. Seemed like it worked really well. What what were your thoughts, kind of any lessons you would you would share based on that experience? Yeah, I would honestly classify what I did as pretty risky, knowing what we know. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason I did it, so I got ahead, we were able, because we signed people up so quickly, to get a little bit ahead of the game with invites to systems and stuff like that. So I started the week before making sure that especially people that I knew were a little less tech savvy, had extra time to um, get set up on on Slack and I could confirm that they were on there. that was important for sure. Um, things like any technology that's involved, that is a hard barrier and a hard pitfall that you have to make sure you give yourself time to, to mm-hmm. clear. Um, and because of just all of these factors, needing to start on a Monday, all these things, I felt like I, felt like I had to do this asynchronously. And so I just put a lot of time and effort into the, mm-hmm. the beginning even though I did it asynchronously. So yes, the FaceTime, the video, um, you said you probably weren't on all the touch points. You certainly were not. There Mm -hmm. were multiple emails last week. And in fact, daily emails the week before we started to before I even started onboarding people, I had daily emails explaining exactly what was going to happen the next day, each time anything was asked of them. So it'd be like, you know, I, whether it started on Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm not positive on top of my head, but Wednesday email. Hey guys, really excited about getting going next week. I know a couple of you might be new to Slack. Here's what to expect. And here are the one, two, three that you need to do in order to get uh, set up next week when I send this in or by next week when I, uh, and I'm going to send this invite tomorrow. Um, so explained it, had them ask me any questions. The call to action was to ask me any questions they had in advance and let them know that I was sending the invite tomorrow. So it had the step-by-step on it. Tomorrow sent it also had the step-by-step on it. So it was kind of two layers of, of failure there instead of a single point of failure. Um, 
you have to be a little bit try to try to remove kind of opportunities or, or single points of failure in, with asynchronous communication without sounding intensely repetitive. <laughs> so yeah, it's a balancing yeah. act. Well, I think what's some of the benefits of doing it this way, and what's nice is you can kind of refine it over time. And and to your point, maybe a little bit risky if someone's first doing this, I'd probably suggest doing like a web, you know, maybe on the first session, having every like walking this through the systems with people. Um, I thought you did a great job the way you did it, kind of addressing it all. And I think you you put the right kind of training wheels on it. So to to mitigate frustration. Um, what's nice now is moving forward, that obviously is a great asset we can use for onboarding subsequent cohorts. So that's the benefit of recording. And that would be the first thing I would tell anybody who's looking to do something like this, record everything, track everything. Because yep. if you do it right, some of your kind of subsequent cohorts, you can actually re, you know, repurpose and leverage some of the material you've already done. So you're not having to kind of start from scratch every time. Um, it, it just kind of hit me as we're going through this. So I, it almost makes me wonder if probably worth putting together kind of a visual or framework or a, or a blog post blog post about kind of what you did. I think it's some great material. I think a lot of people are probably getting a lot from this and kind of hearing you talk through how you got through it. Um, you know, especially because it seemed to work really well for us in terms of that combination of the strategy to get people enrolled and then strategy for getting people onboarded. So I can see us kind of packaging this up too and as a nice educational piece as well. What, anything else you'd like to touch on? I know we've kind of, we've been going, I think we beat this up pretty well and I thought you, you walked through all the details nicely, but I didn't have anything else you want to touch on. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to lie to everyone out there. This does take a lot of planning and, and there are a lot of touch points involved. We had some inherent advantages to certain parts of it, but there, again, I, I find there are always principles you can stick to that are going to be valuable in terms of, um, how you set things up. I think um, the webinar itself, the lesson that you talked about was really critical. If you have that sort of single promotional point for something like a cohort, um, I would suggest based on our experiences to go around coming straight out with, hey, what I'm going to offer up at the end because it's a really great opportunity and then getting into the details mm -hmm. and then teasing it again um, just quickly. And it sort of doesn't even have to be over the top way, like we said. Um, awesome. Yeah, the onboarding piece, um, spend a ton of time thinking about that. Uh, the safer way and probably what I honestly would have done if we only had 25, um, which we were originally planning, was to be much more kind of hands-on with it start with an actual live session to walk people through the steps. I probably would have done that if it was a little bit smaller group mm -hmm. uh, because it got to 40 and because we sold out so fast, I had additional planning time that I wasn't expecting to have. And when you do it asynchronously, again, you have to have, you can't have a single point of failure with mm -hmm. an asynchronous onboarding experience because yeah. upfront is where you need to spend the time to, to really earn the trust of people, make sure they're going to, open your email every time because they want really badly to know what you're telling them. Um, know they're going to get value out of it, that kind of stuff. Um, and going into the sessions, you know, I think if we were to do this again, um, I maybe would have led with more of our own stuff first, to be honest, and then been able to transition into some of the partner things. We had to come right out of the gate with one of our partner presentations um, 
which I think was challenging because it wasn't the same sort of, it wasn't as natural a transfer of trust for them as it would have been if we would have had a, a full presentation before them. Um, mm-hmm. We had sort of all my touch points and then the recording to get them set up, which I think was great. But I think we could have done better if we would have kind of led with one of our own presentations all the way through, showed that value, and then kind of cued our partner up a little bit more. Gotcha. Um, so I think that's one thing we we maybe would have changed in the future. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, um, I think we we got a lot of things right here. And I think, you know, I, I'd love to continue to kind of unpack some of these learnings and, and share them with everybody. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. Week one, done and dusted. In the books. Trans- transitioning into week two next week. So it'll be interesting next week to kind of jump in and see how, as we wrap up the mastermind, any new lessons, anything we would, anything we would do differently, especially as we look at kind of second half of a cohort and anything you would do to kind of close that out. If there are calls to action involved, curious to see kind of how all that on one. So Phil, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you walking through everything. Hopefully anyone listening has gotten a lot of value out of it. I know I have, so hopefully you feel like you've got a little bit better understanding of how, how to launch your own cohort. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we can hopefully follow up with a little bit more of this next week. Like you said, should be interesting. Who knows? I mean, I'll, I'll throw out one question that I hope to answer next week. Is the weekend going to affect our, our engagement any? Yeah, that's a great question. It'll be interesting to see how when you've kind of been day in and day out like this to take a couple of days off have we built enough of that connection and rapport to take us into week two? Who knows? We may find that moving forward, they have to be five days and you can't allow a weekend to sneak in. So I have no (laughs) idea. We'll have to see how it goes. It's all about what our audience is feeling. So we'll see who shows up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. Um, But well, I guess we'll get back to you guys then. Have a great weekend, everybody.